Awesome. So Jay Crawford, everybody, the legend. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, man. You're, you're ready to go. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no problem, Kevin. How, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Just try, you know, like everybody else, trying to make it through this damn thing, trying to stay, stay safe and, um, you know, hoping for better times on the other side. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Like, it just came out of nowhere, right? Like, I feel like it hit us all like a brick. Yeah, it did. I mean, um, you know, even though we kind of had a little bit of warning, I don't think anybody knew that it was going to have this effect on day-to-day -day life. I mean, I, most people thought, you know, the flu in 2018 killed 80,000 people. Right. You know, that's a huge yeah. number. Yeah. Um, we're used to that. That's the biggest that we've ever had for flu. You know, a typical flu death is maybe 40,000 in a year. Um, right. I think people were thinking like, you know, it would be you know, it would, uh, we'd have a lot of casualties, but I don't think anybody thought that we were going to, everybody would have their day-to-day -day life changed like it has been. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was with you, man. Like I didn't, like when I first heard this, like a few months back, I thought, you know, all right, like, you know, I heard it in other countries, but I didn't think, you know, schools would stop and, and all that. So it's, yeah, it's, nuts. it's, it's a crazy. crazy time, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, you know, I remember like I reached out to you on LinkedIn and we had a quick uh, phone call a while back. Um, you know, I sort of asked you a few questions about uh, your career. Yeah. Uh, and you know, now we get another opportunity today and get it on the podcast. So, um, so Jay, I mean, how, how did you, uh, you know, how, how did you get into broadcasting? How did you grow a passion for that? Um, I, you know, just a huge sports fan my whole life. Um, loved baseball. Always thought that I would be a professional baseball player. And, you know, as I started thinking about plan B, what I wanted to do after I was done playing, um, broadcasting always came up. And so when I went off to college, um, I studied broadcasting. I did talk shows. I did play-by-play. -play, I did sports casts. And, um, you know, it, once it gets in your blood, it's in your blood. And I was very fortunate after graduation to get a job at a small CBS TV station. And I was off and running. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. So you went to um... – you went to Bowling Green State, right? I did, yeah. Bowling Green State University in Ohio. How, how did, um, you know, maybe tell us about, like, your social life and how you were able to balance, uh, you know, the social life with, you know, possibly a career in broadcasting with, you know, you're also playing baseball. You know, yeah. talk about it, man. It must have been a crazy it, it, it was tough. I, I always knew that, um, you know, I, was, I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do broadcasting. But, um, you know, I, I was able, I was one of the lucky ones that was able to find a real nice balance between schoolwork and, and sports and, and uh, a social life. I definitely had a fun social life. Um, you know, I, uh, like most college kids, had my favorite places to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, would, I would try to hit them at least once a week. Um, there were probably more weeks than not where maybe I hit them twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had a group of friends that, um, you know, knew how to have fun and yeah. we never got in trouble. We never, you know, we, we weren't breaking the law or doing anything that was, you know, out of bounds, but um, we certainly um, had our share of fun nights. And, uh, mm. you know, I think finding that balance took me a while. My freshman year, maybe I was a little too much on the party life. Yeah. Hey, everyone is, man. Everyone yeah. is. <laughs> we realized pretty quickly that um, you really got to, you really got to bang, bang down and, and uh, hit the books. And um, I did. And my grade point average went up 
um, every year from my freshman year to my sophomore year to my junior year. My senior year was my best grade point average. I was over 3.2, which was kind of a goal of mine. Um, but I still had a good time. I think what I learned as I went through college was how to play hard and how to work hard and make it all work. And, right. uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, when kids go off to college, it's kind of finding that sweet spot, you know, that delicate right. balance of work and play. Um, but I found it and I was glad that I did. And, you know, my four years at Bowling Green were amongst the most four uh, fun four years of my life. Um, I made lifetime friendships. I met my wife there. Um, I just, uh, I had a blast, you know, I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade those memories for anything. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. So, um, you know, was that during those four years, was that when you decided, you know, you knew you wanted to pursue broadcasting? You know, as as a full time career, or because you also played baseball too. So how were you able to? Uh, you know, I, was... I did, but I knew that um, I would never play baseball at the level that I wanted to play baseball. I didn't want to have a career as a minor leaguer. Um, I know plenty of guys that have done that, um, and it, that's really tough. Somebody told me once when I was very young that ninety percent of minor league baseball players exist. So the 10% that have a chance to make the major leagues have someone to play against. Right. And I didn't want to be, you know, practice meet. I didn't want to be that guy that roamed around the minor leagues forever and never made it to the major leagues. Um, so my, my minor league baseball experience came much later in life. I continued to play, ba play baseball in amateur leagues um, throughout my young life and, and in my adult life. And um, I had a lot of success at that level. And it wasn't until I was 39 years old where um, I had a minor league team um, that saw me pitching in a Florida state championship game a number of years earlier um, that actually asked me if I would like to come and try to pitch in the minor leagues. And so, I mean, I'm not going to say no. Right. And ESPN was great um, because they were excited for me and they let me take time away from work to go fly to um, Minneapolis, St. Paul for a couple of starts. And then later I flew to um, out to LA and I pitched for Long Beach. So I got, I got an opportunity to do that and to prove to myself that I can do that. Right. Um, and, you know, I wasn't the second coming of Cy Young by any stretch of the imagination, but I did embarrass myself. Um, and I'm glad I got to do it. I've got the games on tape. So every once in a while, you know, yeah. get a good yeah. life. And, um, I still play today in adult leagues. I love playing. It's probably the love of my life. One of the things that I'm most disappointed about with this coronavirus is, um, a, I, I don't, I don't have baseball in my life every day, watching the Indians and watching, you know, watching games. Like I, I love to do so much. It's, it's the way I've spent my summers. Right. And my, you know, my baseball seasons for my entire life. So I, I lose that. Also, this April was the first April in 22 years that I haven't put on a baseball uniform and played a game. Wow. And so that was, that was really tough. And doesn't look like the league that I'm here in here in Cleveland probably won't, won't start until July if we start at all. So, mm. um, a hope is that we will and we'll have an abbreviated season and, you know, try to put together a, a, a playoffs uh, as well. But 
you know, it's a big part of my life that's missing and um, it stinks. You know, I miss it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you play baseball like, you know, while you're at your time at ESPN as well? You know, did you? Yeah. yeah I did. So I never, um, when I, when all of my minor league um, appearances came while I was still hosting um, cold pizza or first take. In fact, um, one of them, I actually hosted the show in New York City, flew to Minneapolis after the show, and was, I threw a bullpen at like five o'clock and was available out of the bullpen if needed on that Friday night, the same night that I hosted a, a two-hour national sports morning show in New York. It ended up working out where we were, um, I, I pitched for the Saints, the St. Saint Paul Saints. We were, we were getting beaten pretty handily, and the manager decided um, that he would try to throw me in a meaningful game. Um, so he waited until the next night, and then I made, a, I think, a four- or five-inning appearance out of the bullpen the next night. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. And then they brought me back for another game, a start later in the season. And that game was on a Saturday. So again, I, I did the show on a Friday in New York city, caught a flight to St. Paul, got to the ballpark in time to uh, get loose, throw a bullpen. And then I started the game the next evening, the next Saturday night I got, I started. So, and ESPN was great about it. They, they sent camera crews and did stories on it. Yeah. And they, um, they let me um, sort of chase one dream while I was living another. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, it, that's crazy that you were able to balance both, you know, flying one place yeah. to another. Um, yeah, pretty, it was pretty fun. Yeah. So was your first gig at ESPN uh, with Cold Pizza? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I launched – so in 2003, I was working in Tampa, Florida at the ABC affiliate. I just covered the Buccaneers Super Bowl championship. Um, and that was uh, in February. I, I um, flew back from San Diego. And a couple of months later, I was in talks with ESPN about cold pizza. Mm. But at the time, there was no live national sports show anywhere in the country. Nothing. Mm. Wow. The only thing that was on were ESPN Sports Center reruns. Yeah. And, you know, ESPN2 had this really bold and ambitious plan to launch um, a new morning show. And um, I initially had turned down the job. I, I loved Tampa. I, I didn't want to leave. I played baseball year round the five mm -hmm. years I lived in Tampa. And I really didn't want to leave. Um, and then they called me back about two months later. They were really having a hard time finding the right guy. And they said, look, we really think that, um, that you're the right guy for this show. Will you at least fly into New York, see our studio, meet, meet the people that we've hired to be the, the female hosts, and, um, and give it another look? And I just signed a five-year contract to stay in Tampa. And I loved my general manager. I loved my management there. And um, he had worked previously at CBS Network and knew some of the really big wigs at ESPN. And they had called Sam, his name was Sam Stallworth. They had called Sam and said, look, we're trying to bring Jay up here. and We want your permission to talk to him. Um, 
and you know, will you give him the green light to fly up here and take a look? And he right. did, which surprised yeah. me. I just signed a contract. Yeah. But I did I, I flew up there for a second trip and um I ended up liking what I saw. And when I came back, my general manager Sam asked me how I liked it. And I said, I really like it. And he goes, Is this something you'd want to do? I was 38 years old at the time. And I knew if I was going to try to do that, that now would be the time. I certainly wouldn't want to do that as like in my fifties. Right. So I said, you know, I, I think I might, I think I would like to do it. And, and I had the blessing of my kids who loved Florida, but, but they also loved New York. And the, you know, we talked it over as a family and they're like, yeah, you know what? We'd be fine to move. And th that was tough on them because they were going into sixth and eighth grade. So that's a tricky time yeah. But they agreed to do it. And, you know, my kids ended up both being educated in the greater New York area. My daughter went to Columbia. She works and lives in New York City today. My son went to Rutgers. Um, and, you know, we lived in New Jersey, mm. right across the river from New York City. And um, he was a long jumper there and had a great career, had a great time. They have lifelong friends from the Northeast, from New York and, and, and New Jersey. And, um, so I'm looking back on it. I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. I almost didn't. My general manager told me at the time, I'm going to let you go. And I was really surprised by it. I go, wait, Sam, I thought you liked me. He goes, listen, I look at you as a son, but, um, I want you to go do this. So I did, I was there for a matter of months and I got a call, um, from Sam's wife and she had said that, uh, Sam had passed and I didn't even know he was sick. I was, I was stunned. And she said, yeah, he, um, he had a brain tumor and he knew when you were talking to ESPN and he said he knew he was going to get in trouble by, by the management and the ownership of the station for letting me out of a five-year contract, but he knew he was dying and he didn't want to stand in my way of going. So he let me go. And um, I'll always be grateful for him for doing that. My, I had 16 wonderful years at ESPN. I made a ton of lifelong friends. I've got a, a, enough memories to write five books. Yeah. Um, the yeah. things I got to cover and see and do and the people I got to meet and interview and become friends with were people that I've watched c compete and do television you know, my whole life leading up to that. So um, I'm really thankful that he allowed me to go. Um, it was tough leaving Florida too. I had a lot of great friends and I miss it to this day. I miss it. Mm. Uh, I think one day I'll go back to Florida. Um, but you know, that that's kind of how I went from the local net, the local affiliates to the networks. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an incredible story, man. That's, that's, an, that's incredible. Um, you know, with, with cold pizza, um, you know, and going to ESPN, you know, obviously cold pizza slash first take it's, you know, it blew up. It got so popular. Maybe, um, you know, maybe talk to us about like the development of, you know, cold pizza slash first take when you first got there. Well, when I first got there, I think what they were doing wasn't, wasn't what was going to work. And I knew it right away. I knew that this, that the show wasn't a great show. There were parts of the show that were great, but there were a lot of parts of the show that I, I wasn't a fan of. And management realized that too. And they made me the promise that they were going to fix it. And so about a year into the show, they hired Woody Page and Skip Bayless 
to be regular contributors every day. So Woody left his life in Denver and moved to New York. Skip Bayless left his life. I think he was either in Dallas or San Fran at the time. He moved to New York and they became fixtures on the show. And we basically started debate segments within Cold Pizza. So Cold Pizza was still doing celebrity interviews and athletes and, you know, crazy segments. But we we started veering more towards the sports lane. Right. And so we did um, a five-minute debate segment in each half hour of the two-hour show. Right. And those segments were always the highest rated. When we would start the debate, the ratings would go up. When we would end the debates, the ratings would go down. Mm. So after um, about three years of doing that, and the show really becoming a hit and gaining a lot of momentum and traction, management said, let's just make it all debate, you know? Mm. So they, actually, I, I take that back. We needed to move the show from New York to, to Connecticut main campus because we were gonna take the show to high definition and our studio in New York couldn't do high definition. So they brought us back to Connecticut and for another probably three or four years, we continued the cold pizza model. We would do a lot of segments with athletes, with writers, with experts. We do prediction segments. We would do a lot of fun segments. We had the Gronkowski boys in and we did a game with them. We did a lot of different stuff along the way. But again, each time the debate segments would come on, the ratings would shoot up. And when they would go off, the ratings would start to slip. So somebody in management said, let's just do two hours of debate. Mm. I did that for about six months. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't, you know, Skip and Stephen A yelling and screaming. And I'm <laughs> sitting there in the, in, in the middle of them for two hours every day. Yeah. So I did it for about six months. And then I was asked by Sports Center if I would like to host the 11 a.m. Sports Center because right. John Uchigross was moving from the 11 a.m. to the 11 p.m. Right. It, it, the timing was perfect. I just yeah. I had, had enough of the debate. Right. So I left um, First Take after 10 years on the show. Mm. I was the original host. Um, I, I piloted it from Cold Pizza to First Take, but I was ready for a change. Yeah. So my last six years at, at ESPN, I was in the sports center division. Um, I was always in that morning day slot, which I loved. Um, I liked having my day over early. Mm. And then the last year that I was there, they put me in the sports center on the road division. So they would travel me to all of the major sporting events. So if it was the national championship in college football, I would go there. I would go to a semifinal site. I would go to the final four in basketball. I would go to the world series. I would go to the NBA finals. But at this point I'm in my fifties and I'm living out of a suitcase. I'm on the road way too much. I did not like it. I heard that the layoffs were coming and they were going to be big, probably 125 people. And I was all about it. I still had two and a half years on my contract, but I, I had decided about two months into this sports center on the road gig, I can't do this. Right. Yes. I was a willing um, participant to be bought out. Yeah. For me, they paid off my last two and a half years. Now, the only bad thing about that was, even though it sounds like a picnic because you get paid for two and a half years to not go to work because it was a tax write off. 
Um, I, it also meant that I couldn't take a regular job in TV. So mm. I put some part-time stuff, even though I was getting my full-time salary from ESPN. So I became the play-by-play, -play, the TV play-by-play -play guy for the Browns. Um, and um, I also, uh, and that's why I'm wearing the Patriots shirt, I worked for the Patriots. They launched a network at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when it was in Minneapolis. And we, we launched Monday morning at 8 o'clock of Super Bowl week, and we did not come off the air until Saturday night at 8 p.m. Mm. Um, they would not let us broadcast on Super Bowl Sunday, NFL mm. agreements. But so basically I was hosting – live shows from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interview guests. We had this huge 8,000 square foot studio space at the Mall of America. And we were having um, a lot of former Patriots players, even current Patriots players and coaches were coming to our set and we were doing interviews. So that was a blast. I really, really enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun doing that. And that was a launch too, you know, that had nothing like that had ever been done, this sort mm. of network. So it was fun right. to be a pioneer in that as well. So I really enjoyed doing that and the Browns games, but I really had my eye on my contract expiring, which mm. expired in, in July of last year. Um, and I had already known where, what I was going to do and where I was going to go. Um, I knew that I wanted to come back to Cleveland. Yeah. Um, where I'm from and I wanted to live in my hometown again and I wanted to root for my Indians and Browns and Cavs and I also knew that I didn't really want to work in sports media every day I didn't want to I didn't want to have to go to these games as a as an employee as a reporter covering yeah. these games I want to go to these games now as fans you yeah and I want to sit in the stands and drink a beer and enjoy the game with my son and my wife and and just enjoy being a sports fan right so um i knew that i i wanted to work in tv because i love tv but i also um felt very strongly that i wanted it to be a job that allowed me to um have my weekends free we keep a boat on lake erie and we spend the weekends uh in, in warm weather on the boat so i knew i wanted to do that and i knew i wanted to go to games and be a fan and um, I couldn't do that if I was working in sports. I'd always be working the games. So right. um, I took a job uh, at the NBC station here in Cleveland where I host a daily five o'clock show. It's one hour. I'm done every day at six o'clock. Um, and I'm also doing a, uh, a weekly long form interview show for the Browns that runs on Fox Sports Ohio during the NFL season. We shoot the episodes throughout the year. Yeah. But um, we and then they air during the season we shoot about half of them before the season and we shoot another half during the season as the season's going on so it allows me to keep my hand in sports right yeah tethered to it every single day and it works out it works out great um, yeah no yeah it's, for it's, sure absolutely it's been an absolute godsend for us and I'm, I'm thrilled to be home and um i'll probably do this for um you know maybe 10 years who knows Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, I'm going to probably, I will say that, you know, for my, for my 16 years at ESPN, um, I, I launched, I, I, uh, launched three shows between cold beats of first take and first right. and 10. And, um, I was hosting a two hour live show every day. And for yeah, that's four of those years, 
it was a three hour live show every day. Right. And that takes its toll on you. That's a grind. I, yeah. I, I love the role that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. um, it's a one hour live show, but one hour goes like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Compared to the, you know, two hour behemoth daily show. And you were never, when I worked at ESPN, the one thing that people don't realize, you're never off. You're, you're never off. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. You watch every game. You've got to know every stat. That became burdensome. And it really, it, it became, I became less and less of a sports fan because mm. sports became something that I had to do. Yeah. Something that I get to do. Like, like now, now I only watch, I don't, I, I don't watch Sports Center. I haven't seen Sports Center in yeah. years. I don't. Yeah. I haven't seen First Take. I haven't seen Skip's show on Fox. Right. Whatever, whatever it's called. Undisputed. Yeah. Undisputed. I, I haven't seen really that. I just. That's... It's not important to me anymore. Right. And I realized how time-consuming that was. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're a young guy, so it's a big part of your life. You'll find out as you get older and you get married and you have kids and you have a job that takes you away from like sports will become less and less important to you. The older you get. And yeah. I'm now where the only sports that are in my life now are games that I go to or games that I watch. And the right. games that I watch are only games that I really have an interest in. So all my Browns, Cavs and Indians games, if I'm home and not doing anything, I'm, I'll turn it on the TV. Um, I'd much prefer be at the games. So I went to a yeah. lot of games last year and I noticed that like even the playoffs, the NBA playoffs, which I used to cover, yeah. you know, right. It just was too much. Games. Now I'm just like, the Cavs aren't in it anymore. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a joke. Um, there's two or three teams every year that have a legitimate chance to win. The regular season is laughable. It's just, it's a time consumer for me. And yeah, so, no. I, sports is a part of my life now, but it's it's a sliver compared to the whole pie like it used to be. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. You know that's that's crazy that you haven't even watched First Take or or Sports Center since then. I, I, was, I don't miss it because and this is part of the problem that ESPN found itself in. We don't need to sit down anymore and watch a one hour sports information show. Right. I get it all right here. Yeah. Yeah. Real time. And I edit it. So I just set up the notifications that I want to get. Yeah. And if I'm not interested in it, I don't have to look at it. Right, right. So uh, in the old days, I remember, I guess it seems so silly. I used to do this as a, as a young guy in college. Yeah. Watch the one-hour sports center at 11 o'clock to see that one minute of Indians for Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. I used to, I used to do the same thing. Yeah, like I would do it. Well, I'm like, thing, yeah. I can the game on my phone. I can, be yeah. anywhere, I, can be, I can be out on the boat three miles from shore. Right. In my Indians game on my phone. Or yeah, no. On the radio. I'd say, so, um, you know, technology has really impacted yeah. ESPN. And in particular, it's impacted SportsCenter. SportsCenter used to be, this cultural phenomenon that sports fans kind of they wrap their life around it mm. the the numbers of people that watch sports center now are so minuscule compared to what they used to be that it's drastically affected the business yeah no i, I it's funny that you said that cuz i remember when like they had the 
the segments queued up, right? Like what they were going to discuss next. And I would be like, oh, I have to wait like 45 minutes. I know. I, I would be pumped too. Like I would wait. wait, but you would wait because it was yeah. the only place you could go to see that stuff. Right. Wow. Yeah. See, I've got my alert set up through, um, through MLB, my MLB mm. app, that anytime there's a run score in the Indians game, yeah. I get the notification and within <laughs> minutes I can see the play. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, I mean, I no longer need to sit down and watch the three-and-a-half-hour game. Right. I enjoy that. If I'm not doing anything else, I enjoy that. But it's so liberating because if my wife and I want to go to dinner, and yeah. let's say we're going out of town and they're not home, yeah, let's go to dinner. Friday night, beautiful night, let's go eat outside. We'll go find a restaurant, and my phone will let me know anytime yeah, anything happens. It's, it's the best of both worlds. I get to go enjoy my life and live a, a wonderful life, and I get – I get real time yeah. video updates on my phone. It's like, um, yeah, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> no, I, no, absolutely. It's that's so funny too. I mean, yeah, sports center. I remember watching as a kid and, and waiting for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I know I, I, if you're on a time crunch or anything, uh, oh, feel free to cut me off whenever. Uh, I did. Have, I probably have another couple minutes here. Yeah. Um, so I did actually have like a few more questions on like you know cold pizza or first take. Um, <laughs> So, you know, what was, you know, so are, are these opinions scripted or are these like, you know, do they we would talk them over, you know, like in the meeting, we would have a morning meeting and we would say, we would each throw out ideas, things that were, that caught our eye. Mm. Um, typically it would be something that Stephen A was really hot on mm. or Skip was really hot on. Like that would be a topic. And they would just sort of discuss it very briefly in the meeting. And once they realized that they had a, a flashpoint, that there was a disagreement, because like if they both came in and said, last night LeBron James played the best game I've ever seen in my life, okay, that's really not a debate. Yeah. It's a discussion, right. but it's not really a debate, and our show is a debate show. So Stephen A might say that, and Skip might say, oh, okay, we got something there, put that in. Right. So we would keep going until we got 10 flashpoints. Uh, and then, and, but they really wouldn't flush them out. They would just talk them out to the point where – Stephen A figured out where Skip was on it and Skip mm. figured out where Stephen A was on it. And 95% of the time, those debates were organic. Occasionally, Stephen A would say, I can take the other side. Skip never did that. Skip really? only debated what he firmly believed. Skip really? Never, that he could not go on TV and try to argue something that he wasn't that's passionate. Right. So that, that's, and that's where his passion comes from. But Stephen A was, was, pliable and mm. and was skilled enough like right. a good debater oftentimes if you've ever taken a debate class you're told the position that you're going to argue right and that's what my question was yeah well yeah. skip couldn't do that skip yeah. skip could not do that skip really would be able to debate and he would debate vigorously but he could only debate things that he was passionate about wow yeah no because i remember some of the stuff you said like tebow would start over brady and like i Sometimes, like, some of the headlines seemed, like, so ridiculous. I'm like, wait, did ESPN, like, organize this? Like, or do they just – Yeah. I, you know, the, the whole Tebow phenomenon, to be completely honest, that's what drove me from, from first take. Mm. Um, I just got sick of talking about it. Really? Um, nothing against Tim. Right. But Skip would come in every day and make these absurd – Tim would go 9 of 22 for 73 yards, and they would win. And And – Skip would come in the next day and say, he's top five quarterback in the NFL. Top five. And I would just look at him like, dude, you are 
crazy. Right. And so it must have been hard for you too, right? Like, and I'm not debating. I'm just the moderator. So I got to leave it up to Stephen A to shoot him down. But it just got really right. old and tired. And there was, a, there was a point there where I felt that it might be an act. And I never really thought that for Skip. Even though, like, I mean, who could be against LeBron James and T.O.? Mm. You know, I mean, he was against these people that everybody else would look at and say, they're superstars. But, I mean, Skip would just dump all over LeBron James every day. And I would just be like, this is an act. I mean, right. but see, Michael Jordan to Skip was a godlike figure. So because LeBron was encroaching on, LeBron, on Michael's legacy, that made Skip even more anti-LeBron. Right. And so then I, I, I got to thinking after a couple of years, this is an act. Like, mm. come on, give the guy yeah. it. He right. clearly is one of the best players of all time. But he just, you know, he's a choker. He can't, you know, he, he, he shrinks in the big moment. On and on and on and on. It just right. got old because yeah. just, I just, I, I got to yeah. the point where I'm not even sure he believed that. Yeah, he was just saying the same thing with Tiger Woods. Like he would kill Tiger Woods. Um, he just would slam Tiger at every turn. It just got really, really old. But the Tebow thing for me was I can't do this anymore. I yeah, because and, and and he was such a flashpoint that we were doing Tim Tebow debates three times in the two hours. Right. Yeah. And like, I all I was hearing on social media was I can't see this anymore. Right. And I'm living it. I can't move. I got to listen to two hours of it. I just was like. Right. I'm done with it. Um, it was clear to anybody that watched that Tim could make plays, but Tim wasn't a great quarterback. Yeah. He wasn't a great NFL quarterback. Right. He had some amazing fluky wins. Mm. Uh, you know, a coach would misuse timeouts and it would give the Broncos the ball back when they never should have touched it and they would get a field yeah. goal win. And you'd be like, and it just built the momentum of this Tebow mania. Right. And that's been- really what drove me away. And that really, for me, as a viewer, forget an employee, as a viewer, that's when ESPN to me became irrelevant. Yeah. Because okay. it just became like noise. Every show started loading up with Tebow topics. Yeah. It was absurd. That whole phenomenon was something like I've never seen before and hopefully I never have to see again um, because it just, it just was, um, it was madness. Yeah. Everybody lost their minds. So, so were Stephen A and Skip tight off? air or no well, skip isn't tight with anybody off air mm-hmm. um and i don't mean that as a knock it's just he's a, a he's an introvert and he's a loner um he and skip love uh, Stephen a loves being around people Stephen a loves going to games skip hates going to games mm-hmm. Stephen a loves being around people and groups of people skip hates being around groups of people i probably only socialized with skip three or four times in the nine years we worked together. Um, he wasn't one to go out to dinner or to go out. He had to watch sports. I mean, you yeah. talk about a guy who's just consumed by sports. Yeah. I've never seen anybody that can consume as much sports. As, really? Yeah, it's insane. He, he loves to work out and he loves sports. Outside of that, man, there's not a lot of time for anything else. Really. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, he's, a, he's a great guy, and I really enjoyed him. Um, I, we had a, a lot of meaningful conversations, mm. um, and I enjoyed my time working with him. It was just that it was time. 
you know, right. no stuff. I just was done with it. And yeah. 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 That it, just really drove you crazy. Yeah, it did. It did. It drove me and a lot of other viewers crazy. And, right. you know, I think that the ascension to the Tebow mania when their ratings were never higher, um, that was when the show was its best. Mm. I felt after the Tebow drop, like right. once, once he was gone and there was not that, you know, I, I, I felt like, um, that the show really was never the same. Right. Yeah. 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 So you, said, you know, I haven't seen it, but it, it, it's, it's still an ESPN staple. It's still in the same time yeah, slot, pretty sure. So, um, and I know Stephen A just signed a contract that made him the highest paid employee at ESPN. Right. Um, so I'm sure the show must be still doing some kind of uh, number mm. for them to reward him like that. But just as somebody that used to be able to watch that show when I wasn't hosting it, which was only when I was on vacation, I can't watch it now. And I haven't been able to since I left it just because I kind of know how the sausage is made. It's never yeah. been. Um, yeah. 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 It's never been the same yeah. difference for me, you know? Yeah. So, so when they say cut, right? Like when you guys take a break, what is the conversation between, you're, you know, you're in the middle between Stephen A and Skip. What, what is that conversation like? Like what are you it's awkward? Um, th th there were a couple appearances from people that were super awkward. One I can remember was Chris Carter. Um, another was Jalen Rose. Mm. Um, Chris, Skip had told Chris Carter, you know, what do you know? You haven't won any Super Bowls. Jeez. And, I mean, I just thought that was an incredible diss. Right. Like Chris Carter's one of the greatest receivers the game has ever known. Yeah. All yeah. Famer. He was cut by a team because of his addiction problem and fought back right. to, make a, to make a Hall of Fame career. Right. Um, and I love Chris. Mm. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Chris. And I was really disappointed that Skip went there. Skip sometimes would take it personal. Mm. And I, it may have been over the Tebow. Stephen A? It may, be, may well have been over a Tebow discussion. Right. The next thing you know, I can't remember. Skip just said, you have, what have you won? You have never won any Super Bowls. And that was it, man. Like when the mm. camera went to commercial break, Chris just dis disconnected his mic. He walked out of the studio. He didn't say goodbye to Skip. He may have said goodbye to me, but I think I, I remember Chris telling me sometime later, I'm done with you guys. I'll never come on your show again. You know, it was just, um, it was uncalled for. The other one that got a lot of attention was the, uh, when Jalen Rose, Jalen Rose, I don't know how he even found this, but, and, and I believe Skip used the same thing on Jalen. He said, you know, you never won an NBA championship, you know, you, you got, you know, you, I think if I'm not mistaken, the night, I don't know, I could be wrong on this. I think Kobe one time, I don't know if it was his 81, if that was right. Jalen, but he put a number up on Jalen once and Skip would bring it up. And uh, it, was, it was uncomfortable. And, and you know, again, Jalen was a terrific player at yeah. his career. And he, um, he had said something that, that it particularly set Jalen off. Right. And Jalen was in for a stretch of days. So the next day when he came in, he was ready for Skip. Somehow right. gone on the internet and he looked up Skip's <laughs> and Skip had averaged uh, 1.2 points a game his high school year. And it was either 1.2 or 2.1. So was, 
was was Skip like a likable guy at ESPN or no? Was he pretty like? Uh, you know, most people just didn't interact with him because but, he didn't interact with them. I don't want to say that people dislike Skip. Right. But um, Stephen A was the social guy, right? Like Stephen he, A and Skip love each other. Stephen A and Skip, they do. Yeah. Even really? today, they have a and and I'll tell you, they worked best together because um, they had a mutual admiration for one another. Skip really respected Stephen A, and Stephen A really respected Skip. And there were times that, you know, it got it crossed the line a little bit. But like when it was done, they shook hands. Right. Mutual agreement. Nothing's personal when it happens on TV. And they always, um, I don't ever remember them having a rift off the air over anything. Right. I, I enjoyed that. I thought the two were wild yeah. and professional, and I'm glad that they were. Um, yeah. But the, when, when Jalen made the point, um, I, I can't remember if it was 1.2 points a game or 2.1. Yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe it was 2.1. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. um, Jalen had looked up somehow he'd gotten uh, Skip's stats. <laughs> and the next day, Skip said something that irritated Jalen. And Jalen just quickly went there. He was just like, Skip, how, much, how many points did you average a game when you were a senior in high school? Isn't it true that you only averaged 1.2 points a game? And right. then he called them, he called them, um, it was a play on Pistol Pete. Um, you know, he, he made some nickname reference to Pistol Pete. Right. And, I mean, Skip was blindsided. Right. Skip was thunderstruck. So and he, it's got to be hard for you, too, right? Because you're – It was really hard for me. Because so, they don't want you to show any emotion, right, when you're in the middle? No, no, no. And I can't even remember how I got – I think that clip's on YouTube. Right. I can't even remember how I got out of it. I just – you know, tried to get us cleanly to break. Yeah. And that was it, man. I don't think Jalen was on first take ever again. Yes. Wow. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. yeah it's, it's worth a look. Um, yeah. It was just crazy. It was, it was crazy. Were, were you closer with Stephen A or Skip, would you say? I was close to both of them. I had uh, just such a great respect and uh, admiration for both of them. I, nobody works harder than Skip Bayless. Nobody. Really? I've, never, I've been in this business 32 years. I've never seen anybody even approach his work ethic. Skip he, Bayless? Wow. Skip is unbelievable. Skip is prepared. Because it, look, it looks like Stephen A is like on this pedestal of like, you know, because they always say he's always working hard. Like he's always like, I'm coming oh, up. And that's the thing. Stephen A works hard too. But Stephen A, most of his work we see. So he, he'll volunteer to go on Sports Center at 6 o'clock, do a live show, a live hit for the NBA show on whatever night of the week it is. Um, he goes to games. He works weekends. He, he never says no. If a producer asks him, hey, can you come on a show? Stephen A will be like, yeah, I got it. Really? He works his tail off. So I think the lesson of both of them is um, none of their success happened by accident. Mm. Stephen A had one trip through ESPN where he was big, but was never a superstar. Mm. They, they didn't renew his contract and he went off and he did other things. And then yeah. he, and yeah. he determined to make it work. He worked hard. He was much better the second time through. He was, I think, easier to work with for some people and his stardom took off. And, but I have an immense amount of respect for yeah. both. Yeah. Um, they both are incredibly hard workers 
They both, um, they know the gig. Mm. A knows yeah. how to get something viral. And so right. right. And that's what it's all about these days. Did you, did you ever hear like the mix of like the reaction of when Skip did leave ESPN, right? Like did, did, uh, did Stephen A ever reach back out and say like, man, I wish Skip was back on, right? Like, well, you know, you know I, I'll tell you, I, I had conver- I've had conversations with Stephen A about Skip leaving, and I think those conversations were probably best left between us. Yeah. Um, you know, he had thoughts for sure. Um, and um, does he like working with Max Kellerman or? You know, again, I, I really, um, I think, I, I think he enjoys his job a lot. And it's not to say he doesn't enjoy working with Max. I really haven't had much of conversation at all. Mm-hmm. With about the current setup right. that yeah. they have there. I know that after I left, he had told me a number of times, I wish you hadn't left. I wish mm-hmm. you'd come back. Right. Um, and for me, it was just, and I missed working with, with Stephen A, man. I really did. I enjoyed right. him every day. Yeah. We had great conversations off the air, both before and after the show. I really enjoyed him. Um, but it was time for me, and I never looked back. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, I'm really glad I was a big part of that launch. And I'm, I'm glad I was a part of that show for 10 years. Yeah. It's a staple now and it's a, Absolutely. it's a huge success. It's probably the thing that I'm most proud of in my TV career is the fact that when we started, they said a morning show on sports will never work. There's not enough viewers. You know, guys are at work or in college or in school. And today there are like 17 national live sports shows on. Yeah. So um, we paved the way for that. Yeah, absolutely. Fact, after just a couple of years, our ratings were so good that SportsCenter decided we can no longer put reruns on from the night before. So they launched SportsCenter. Yeah. And yeah. that was specifically to counter what we were doing. We were live and that there's a difference. The fan knows, fan knows that this was taped the night before. Mm. So we changed the way SportsCenter was produced in the mornings. We, um, we paved the way for countless other NFL network, MLB network, the golf channel, the tennis channel, everybody now does live morning shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Um, no, that's because we were able to take cold pizza and turn it into a huge success. And we did it by overcoming a terrible first impression. Our first impression out of the gate was terrible. Right. Yeah. Why was it called cold pizza at first? Is there what do college kids wake up to in the morning? Oh, true. So that was that was the demographic. You we got- were looking for young college kids. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, that was where we had our first big breakthrough in that demo. I would visit campuses and I would be stunned that mm. people knew our show as well right. as they did because that. Um, and I still see people and hear from people that say, "Man, I watched you every day in college. That was it was awesome." Yeah. No, it, awesome. I, I had a great time with the show. I'm really glad I did it. Um, but I'm, I'm, it was a big part of my career and a big part of my life. And it really set me up to now do what I want to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, it, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad the way it worked out. Right. Um, I don't miss living in Connecticut. Yeah. The happiest day of my life was when I sold my house and moved out of Connecticut. Didn't really? Living in the Northeast at all. Mm. Just a different vibe. Totally yeah. different vibe. I'm thrilled to be back on the water in my hometown and um it's just uh it's it's the right place in the right time yeah no absolutely man i mean we'll see what the browns do this season i mean we'll see man it's sure so, so you're a patriots fan 
if I told you $1,000, you got the Patriots winning more games or the Buccaneers winning more games? It's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, it really is Brady versus Belichick this year, right? The cards are on. The... It's what the whole year is going to be about. Yeah. I mean, what was your reaction when you first heard that? Wasn't surprised. I knew Tom was ready for a change. Um, he's in a wonderful situation. He's got an offensive passing genius yeah. to work with. Um, uh, the question is, Gronk, are there enough Gronk is there? The offensive weapons are there. The, the wide receivers, he's going to – he went from the worst wide receiving core last year to, the, I think, the best. Right. And he's going to um, – I think they're going to win more games than New England. I think New England will struggle to win eight or nine. I think, yeah. I think the Buccaneers will be in double-digit wins. And um, I Where think – Browns? I think the Browns can make a playoff push. I really do. I, I think that um, – I'm not going to hype it too much, but I think the pieces are all there. All the excuses that Baker had for last season are gone. The mm. offensive line has been revamped. Um, there's still a chance it can get even better. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting year. I talked to Baker yesterday on a little uh, Zoom chat, mm. and he's excited. Yeah. He, he can't wait to get going. He's got all his wide receivers and tight ends with him in Austin, Texas right now. Okay. Working on the passing game. And um, – I think that um, it's going to be quiet. You know, they didn't get all the national TV appearances because they won only six games last year. But they right. still have Odell Beckham, and they still have Jarvis Landry, and they still have Nick Chubb. Yeah. Defense is going to be a real question. I'm a little concerned about that. But I th for all indications are, Miles Garrett is working out like a madman. He's going to have a, a defensive MVP caliber type season. Mm his debacle of the season last year with the suspension. But um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about the Browns. But you know what? I think it's as excited as I am to watch the Browns, as I am every year. I now have to look at two other teams every week. I have to look yeah. at the Buccaneers, and I have to look at the Patriots. And that's yeah. what I believe. I know. What, what was your first reaction about last year when you guys got Odell – um, you know, you know, that whole Browns hype. I, I thought that I thought they were going to win the division and, and make a playoff run. I really mm. did. Yeah. You know, once I started looking at the team in, in camp and I would go to camp every day, getting ready for the preseason broadcasts. And once I saw them in, the, even though it was the preseason, you could just look at their offensive line and say, this isn't going to work. Yeah. They have a great offense. Like they could, I mean, the they have great skills players, but you know, the one thing I've learned from covering football and being a fan of the game my whole life, it gets no attention by your average fan, but the trenches is where you win. And it's yeah. always going to be where you win. Yeah. Having a Brady or a Belichick, that's great. But if you don't keep Brady upright and clean, mm. you got trouble. Yeah. Um, the offensive line is the engine of a team. It is mm. it's the engine to your team because yeah. if you can't block up front, that means you can't run, and that means you can't throw. Yeah. And if you can't do those things, that means that your defense is on the field way too long. Yeah. And that means they're going to get tired in the fourth quarter, and they're going to lose more games than they win. And that's yeah. been the story of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Really, I mean, they had Joe Thomas for a stretch. I was just going to say that, yeah. I only wish they had Joe Thomas. I know. He was, right he was great. He was uh, great. Yeah, we Man. missed him.
You, you should have been on the uh, other end of the table, man. You could have been debating Stephen A. or Skip, right? I mean, there were there were days where I jumped in because yeah. I, I couldn't lay out. Yeah. Did they like that or? <laughs> yeah. I, if the topic was right, they did. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember one day we debated whether or not Jim Tomey was a Hall of Famer, mm. and I can't remember who was in, but whoever was in was like, eh, I don't know. Skip was like, absolutely not. I'm like, are you drunk? Yeah. Tommy is he's, he's the guy. Yeah. I remember we did the debate when he hit his 500th home run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said at the time, I said, at the rate he's hitting them, he'll hit 600, which he did. Mm. And I said, I will debate you to the end of the world on that. He is a Hall of Famer, period. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, so I, I think Rob Parker was in that day. So Rob yeah. actually sat in the middle for that debate and <laughs> beat up the topic. And I went in and I had, yeah. Yeah. But I, I would never want to do that every day. Never. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I like to do it when I had a really strong opinion or something that I was really married to, but you know, I, I did, I definitely did. I, I like my role as a debate moderator. Right. Um, I think that fit me much better. And um, I got to the point where I got to be pretty good at it. You know, I could, yeah. I, I could steer the debate when it was slowing down. I, I could sense when it was out of gas and move it on to the next topic. And, right. It was a fun role. It really they, was. They give you that full control of like the debate. Yeah, I mean, mostly we're looked at the clock. We're looking at the clock. Right. So we're always, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I felt something was running out of gas and I wanted to move on to the next topic, I did. Yeah. If I felt something was just exploded. Right. You know, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speech, Right. You know, it, then you can let it go uh, within reason. You know, the, you gotta you gotta follow the clock because clock is king. But. Um, uh, yeah, for the most part, I had a lot of liberty to keep it going or to, to turn the page. Yeah, no, thank you so much, man. I won't keep you any longer. That was a really good conversation, man. Thank oh, you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. I, I know. Sorry if that took a little bit longer than you anticipated, but that was a good combo. Hey, I'm taking you over a skip in these debates, man. I don't know. I think you got you got something backed up, but. 1-0 against skip in debates. <laughs> hey, I'll take it, man. I'm taking it. Let's let's rally hard. Go Browns! I got my I got my Pat stuff in my room. I don't know all Boston in here, but I don't know. Yeah, hey, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You gotta love who you love, man. Yeah, no, for sure. But hey, stay in touch, man. Really appreciate it. it means the world. Oh, Best of luck for you and your family, man. Appreciate Thanks, brother. It. All right, have a good one. Yep, you too. Take care. From the sweet life of Zach and Cody, on the sweet life of Drake Bell here. It's your girl Camille Costek. Shuma Gavin in the house. Hugh Nice again. Lay Howard from the Los Angeles Lakers. It is a CeeLo Green. The follow at Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. If you Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Peace. Wild Chat Sports, man. Check it out. Love.